0: You know, we've had news over the last 24 hours of what was possibly a chemical attack in Ukraine. That seems to be questionable still at this point, and I want to get to that in just a second. Hey everybody, it's Zev. It's becoming more and more expensive to buy groceries, and if you, like me, are trying to get all the nutrients and vitamins you need while still balancing a budget, it's nearly impossible to get all the nutrients you need from the food you eat alone never mind doing it on a budget, then it becomes absolutely impossible. That's why I'm currently doing a 30-day self-imposed athletic greens challenge. The plan is simple. Take the AG1 supplement throughout April and track any increase in energy levels, overall well-being, and vitality, all while boosting my immune system. Today is day seven, and the biggest fear people have about these green drinks is the taste. I happen to love the taste of this drink. It doesn't taste bad at all. It tastes a little fresh, a little tropical, but not too much. Certainly does and tastes taste like your typical green drink. So it gets lots of points in that and that's why I've made it two day seven. Hopefully you will try this too. AG1 is engineered to provide all the right nutrients at just the right time. Whether you want increased energy or improved muscle recovery, they've got it covered. And because they care about your wallet too, AG1 will only cost you around three bucks a day That's a pretty good deal. And there are no hidden fees. To make it easier for you and because they love you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N A R A T I V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative to take ownership of your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome, Michael Kay, who's our expert, a resident expert on the show on the war in Ukraine. Michael, how are you?
1: I'm well, Zev. It's
0: good to see you again. There was this news about a guy named Viktor Medvechek that came out today, who, and there's a photo, which everyone can see in just a second, where he he was um, Mm -hmm. apprehended uh, by the Ukrainian forces. Do you know much about him? Do you want to share a little bit more about who Mr. Medvechek is?
1: Yes, uh, Viktor Medvedchuk. Ukrainians refer to him as the godfather of Putin's daughter, Mm. which is actually a very significant relationship. So he's a close friend of Vladimir Putin and he has been a pro-Soviet Union, pro-Russian politician in uh, Ukraine for many years so he was leading this uh, faction in parliament up until he was uh, charged with treason several months ago and put under house arrest and what what he did was he fled the uh, his house arrest and uh but he couldn't get out of the country. There were rumors that the Russians had speared him away, at least they tried to make that appear. But it turns out he was hiding in uh, Zakarpattia, the far west of Ukraine. And as you can see there, he was uh, wearing uh, Ukrainian military fatigues, and he was apprehended by the security services of Ukraine and arrested today.
0: Significant thing, because, you know, this is someone very close to Putin. It would have really struck him personally, uh, the fact that he was, you know, his friend, who he many believe was going to be the person that... Uh, Putin wanted to put in charge of Ukraine once he'd won this war, if he had ever had a chance to win this war. This was going to be the new leader of Ukraine for the Russians.
1: Yeah, he would have been the puppet. He would have been the Lukashenko type figure yeah. for Ukraine. Yes.
0: And it does show you how much the circle around Putin has become so small that he's leaning only on the people he trusts so implicitly from a lifetime of friendship, like Mr. Medvedev. To do these things because he's so paranoid right now he is, just the other day 150 people from the fsb purged and the an fsb uh, chief sent mm-hmm. to a prison you know what does that tell you eric about the the sensibility of Putin? in this, this fsb crackdown is quite significant
2: well there seems to be kind of a purge there hard talent not knowing as we say in vermont you know i have some questions about just how many generals have gone out and uh you know the, the replacement of the talent and whatnot but then again you know the whole thing's not going well so everyone's, well getting, a crappy, him, yeah. a, everyone's getting a crappy HR review this quarter <laughs> no bonuses no one's getting a toaster oven for this uh, Ukraine thing
0: no one is getting a toaster oven but you know there is uh, still word that Putin is continuing tonight to be you know as aggressive as ever in a statement or I think his speech actually he insisted on Tuesday that the war in Ukraine would succeed and that peace talks had reached a dead end, making clear that he had no intention of pulling back from a military campaign that had left cities in ruins, forced millions to flee and raised disturbing accounts of atrocities committed by Russian soldiers. But the operation's goals, he said, centered on the Donbas region in eastern Ukraine, where pro-Russian separatists had been fighting since 2014. It was the first time that Mr. Putin himself had effectively defined a more limited aim to the war, focusing on control of the Donbass region rather than seizing all of Ukraine. Michael, that is a significant change for Putin.
1: Yes, but it's still not confronting reality because he can talk about this ongoing war, but there's no acknowledgement of why the first phase of it failed and no awareness of why this second phase will fail for the same reasons mm-hmm. he's confronted with the problem because he may want to maintain a full war but his army is incapable of bringing in replacements mm-hmm. there his mobilization plan has completely failed across all of ukraine mm-hmm. uh, when he talks about donbas the actual troops that make up the so-called army there is mostly made of locals who are forcefully recruited. They're impressed, you know, like the press gang, you know, in the Navy from centuries ago kind of thing. Uh, Young men being dragged off the street and, you know, forced into uniform, poorly trained, poorly armed, and thrown into battle. Uh, The Ukrainians call them uh, meat. The Russians send them in advance of their, uh, you know, Russian Federation formations to just draw the Ukrainian fire. Kind of thing. So the casualties are horrendous. I've been tracking the casualties, which you know shifted from the north of Ukraine and now it's in the east of Ukraine, and it between 100 and 300 fatalities a day on the Russian side. And I think those numbers are realistic, uh, given what we're seeing from drone footage, from the things like this about these futile battles that these soldiers are being thrown into. And, and this is after the, the battle, they haven't changed in any significant way uh, over several days. You know, we're talking about a, a village here and a village there, nothing significant. Are we still
0: saying 100 to 300 people per day, even with the withdrawal, after the withdrawal from uh, the Kyiv region? Yes. Ukrainians are doing a very impressive job
1: of fighting back against Russian Well, don't, Russian don't forget, the Ukrainians are able to strike to the rear and the russians are hopeless in these positions they have undefended supply lines poor quality troops no defensive perimeters they're just sitting ducks you just see their columns stretched out along a roadway and they're within artillery range of the uh, ukrainians you know people talk about oh they've got bayraktar drones and they've got you know this advance yes they do but they're getting these columns with sometimes Soviet era artillery, mm. they're just good at using it and they're within range. Mm-hmm. And now they're corrected nowadays with drones and so on, but they're uh, really good at this. And that explains these horrendous casualties that the Russians are suffering. Yeah. It's a mess. I mean, I, it's been six, seven weeks, they've not mm. done
2: anything uh, strategically that they prepared for. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Ukraine, it's going to surpass Waterloo. And Trafalgar in the annals of military catastrophes. Mm. That's my prediction.
0: In the next three weeks, we're going to see a lot of fighting going on there, though, because it certainly looks like the Russians have amassed a lot of people along the Donbas Russian border, or the Russian side. They haven't yet, you know, entered the Ukraine war into the theater. Uh, who knows how well trained they are? They're probably not well trained. They're probably not well led. But that does not mean that there will not be a lot of casualties as they attempt to try and extend their region of what they've been able to capture in the Donbas, and, you know, try to capture that entire region. Who knows, all the way up to the Dnieper River is probably where they're thinking. I mean, that's not going to happen, but there'll be a bloody war still before we out of this in the next two or three weeks.
1: Yeah. And it will be civilians, mm-hmm. you see, who will be these casualties. Right. You know, and you can see that the Russians are doing things like they're targeting the means of evacuation. Uh, such as the rocket attack on the Kramatorsk train station, you know. So it will be uh, civilians who will uh, bear these casualties. Unfortunately, it is unfortunate.
0: Uh, Vladimir Zelensky looking emboldened, though. Right now, he had a meeting from Boris Johnson and. You know, that was good video that if anything, is, that's an optic that Vladimir Putin did not want to see. It was that particular picture shoot of Boris Johnson and, and uh, Zelensky strolling through Kiev. I mean, that is not what he thought he was going to see seven weeks after his it's, campaign started.
1: Yeah, it's huge that, you know, there's this surprise event there's Boris Johnson. And the first thing people asked is, how did he get there? And nice. the answer turns out, well, he rode the train. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's how he got there. Whoa. And then, yeah, he went for a stroll in Kiev and there was a man who was just out shopping and he recognized him and he spoke in Ukrainian and he just kind of was the voice of the Ukrainian people there. He said, thank you to Britain because mm. all of uh, Ukraine knows about these people uh, uh, in-law anti-tank guided missile uh, systems that have been used to great effect that were uh, donated by britain and are still being sent you know in great numbers so you know and ukrainians know about all this so the effect in certainly in ukraine is huge if that is it
0: in the United States, as well, the Department of Defense is meeting about how to ramp up construction. They've met with manufacturers of weapons in order to ramp up weapons manufacture. One of the things they've discovered, I think it's just kind of interesting, is that the Soviet era weapons that they've decided to give to or needed to give to the Ukrainians because they absolutely need it, need different shells, They need different sized Uh, What is it called? Ammunition? I don't know what you call it for one of those things. But, you know, they're different in size. The Soviets had a different kind of ammunition, which I think have to be manufactured now by the Americans if they want a large supply of them, which I think they do. It's interesting, amongst other things, that they want the American manufacturers and the military sector to step up in terms of manufacturing new weapons for the war there.
1: Well, it's good that Ukraine went as far as they had been along in their NATO standardization. Mm. So for example, you know, that the United States has sent millions of rounds of ammunition. And the one reason they can do that is that Ukraine had already adopted the NATO standard, the caliber and so on for small arms, mm. uh, which is wonderful news because if they were still using, you know, Soviet era, you know, AK-47s and that kind of thing, it wouldn't have been possible. So, yeah, but you're right with larger caliber ammunition, it is a problem, it is an issue. And, you know, my approach to this is United States has this reputation of being the can-do country, you know? If, if they need to, you know, the arsenal of democracy. And if, if you need to change a caliber and start to manufacture this, then get it done. That's the spirit. I
0: mean, they, are, uh, they are, they are doing about, it. If it, is, it is the can-do and country and it. America is doing it. I mean, there's no doubt as uh, Joe Biden has done pretty much everything that Zelensky has asked for and more, and continues to be at the forefront of an incredible global alliance to supply and support with intelligence, I should add. There's a lot of intelligence support going to the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but you know the, this whole issue of interoperability through NATO standards, Well, that's the .223 and a .308 for the the Winchester, I forget. But yeah, there's, you know, your couple types of uh, your ammunition standardization. But here's the larger point that I find amusing here, uh, darkly amusing in the strategic where Russia suffers away, not the amusement of war. But um, that we've used a bunch of the old Soviet era weapons that a bunch of the old Soviet bloc countries still had around. We've given that to Ukraine and they've beaten Russia about the head and shoulders. And now we're going to get them some new stuff from us. So we're not only going to, you know, arm Ukraine up with not just NATO standardized stuff, but you know, shiny new American and British made and French made equipment that's going to make our GDP go up. A little there's an argument or whether or not military expenditures should be counted in uh, gdp but we can have that economic discussion some other time uh meanwhile putin's uh, oligarchs are going to be in rowboats <laughs> in Arkhangelsk. their uh acorn and hummus based economy not doing so well and will not only have had you know ukraine really enter the world of nations in kind of a um you know, in a heroic fashion. And let's not forget that Ukraine was a, a complicated, it's always been a complicated mm. country, but it's it was complicated of recent, given the amount of power that, uh, you know, the Russian-aligned mafia had there, how much corruption was there. Um, it's been a complicated place since the fall of the Soviet Union. This is almost like a rebirth and a rebranding, whereas the last 20 years, there was this, are you kind of pro-European? Or are you pro Russian, which was heavily involved with the the power base of the Russian mafia. And here you've got a full on assault from Russia that's straight up classic military enemy stuff. Mm. And now Ukraine is repelling them back. And, you know, there was a lot of question about, you know, their position before, but now there's a lot of clarity if Mm -hmm. they want it. And, you know, if you can imagine a country in that new position and then you arm it with you know, you do a little Lend-Lease and then you give them the best stuff from Raytheon, BAE, Mm. uh, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin. And then you got Putin's nightmare. He's taken a country that was kind of split that they had, you know, compromised in different ways to boom, aligned with NATO, possibly part of NATO soon. And then just armed up with all brand new hardware. And meanwhile, they're going to be trying to, you know, Put new coats of paint on their rowboats for their oligarchs who are going out in summer in uh, Murmansk. And this
0: also applies to other countries on the Russian border. I mean, they all have the same weapons. They all have a lot of Soviet-era weapons. So whatever they're giving the Ukrainians that might now work with the old Soviet-era weapons, that's going to be available to the other countries along the Russian border that uh, Putin might have his eye on, because they are part of NATO. And so that'll be interesting to see. You know, that certainly changes the calculus on the battlefield for him if he has an expansion beyond what he's trying to expand to right now, which isn't even likely. So interesting stuff. Um,
2: I mean, he just lost strategically kind of with as good as it was going to get. Yeah. Where, you know, the, you know, Ukraine didn't have the latest and greatest, like Mm -hmm. for these, you know, surface-to-air missile batteries, you had the S300. You don't have the latest uh, U.S. and NATO interoperative version of that, you know, we gave them. some, now we gave them some new stuff like javelins and N-laws, but really there was a lot of old, you know, basic artillery and uh, older equipment. And uh, when you have a war like this, you run through some of that and you need some more new stuff. And so Putin, you know, and not to mention the fact that Putin's, you know, cratered his economy in order to do this. And that's before we get to the news today, where Joe Biden just comes right out and says, He's moved it up from war crimes, which is bad enough, but it's kind of an event by event thing. You know, war crimes are committed. One person can commit a war crime, Mm -hmm. right? And then you can send that person to to whatever, you know, tribunal that they might appear in front of. President Biden stepped it up to genocide Mm -hmm. in his rhetoric, and that becomes the policy of this nation. So we have now crossed the transom here where we're saying Vladimir Putin has taken the nation of Russia and committed genocide against Ukraine. That's a sign that we plan on shutting them out of the maximum number of international organizations and to subject the individuals behind these heinous acts to sanctions on up through criminal prosecution.
0: Really interesting as well, you point that out that escalation. I mean, it's not official policy yet, but it certainly is an indication he's going to do that. The policy will change to genocide. When they have someone like Mr. Medvedev in their control right now, you know, it's hard to get Putin because you have to get into Russia, and Russia is not a signatory of the International Criminal Court, but Ukraine is. And if Mr. Medvedev is now under arrest in Ukraine, if he has any responsibility for any of these attacks that have been taking place in Ukraine by Russians, he could be sent to the international criminal court for war crimes tribunal and he is putin's very close friend so this is not something that mr putin would not be aware of that you know his very close best friend godfather of his children or grandchildren or whatever is potentially could be up at the international criminal court facing genocide charges if he has any responsibility well, or involvement in this
1: yes but we should not forget that Medvedchuk has already been placed under arrest and charged with high treason in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And this is for war crimes that he already committed Mm -hmm. from the time that Russia invaded in 2014. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this has to, I don't know what comes first, but I would say, yes, that comes first. The Ukrainians have him. He is charged with high treason. And there is substantial evidence of crimes he committed in Crimea and also in the Donetsk region uh, related to the early stages of the war eight years ago. Mm. Uh, Those are the crimes that he's being charged with, Um, Um, you know, very substantial
0: crimes. Well, he could be up for genocide Um, charges as well. I mean, that's simply the way this looks like it's going. There's no doubt it's genocide. You can't, you can look at this and say they're targeting innocent civilians simply because they're Ukrainians. It's genocide. Yes. There's no doubt about that. So what Putin's doing very brilliantly, I'm sorry, Biden is doing very brilliantly. He's always stepping up a little bit ahead of everybody else and says what everyone else is thinking. And sooner or later, not probably later, sooner, the the policy changes officially. And we'll see that across NATO probably.
1: Sorry, I just wanted to say that I I think that Biden is skillful there because he's a little bit ahead of where the American people maybe as a whole can be. And that's where a U.S. president needs to be but i also think in contrast to that putin is just so far behind the reality mm-hmm. and that's part of why he was losing so eric you were mentioning about you know the unity of the ukrainian people being demonstrated and you know there's no such thing as this pro-russian faction there was no chance that Medvedchuk would be accepted by anybody as a puppet leader or anything He would not have no support he would you know survive only with you know hundreds of gunmen around him that's you're know, not a leader of any kind but That's being behind the times, that was actually the case, this unified Ukraine with the revolution of dignity eight years ago. And it was Mm. demonstrated when Russia first invaded. The idea that a pro-Russian faction could have any part in government, it was dead by 2014. It just Mm. could not happen again, and it will not happen again. So what we see in this war was just a further step you know the tiny number of sympathetic people to Russia oh let's understand Russia that has now just disappeared right but it was never except the GOP by the way I will say yeah. they still somehow
0: oh. miraculously seem to find ways of supporting Putin's kind of policies right. and other things while objecting to him in the war which is just uh incredible. I don't know how, yeah, you, how you read that needle but they do. We are out of time and we hadn't gotten into the Roger Stone story yet. I, I feel like I should play at least the first minute of this tape that Jason Sullivan was recorded. He's an associate of Roger Stone. This was published in the New York Times today. We will have a full show on this or attempt to have a full show on this tomorrow if we can, because there's so much to report around this. But it is just for the news sake of it, important for everyone to listen to what was said by Mr. Sullivan on tape just days before the insurrection on January the 6th. Maybe it isn't here so maybe we'll only hear it tomorrow how's that okay we'll hear it tomorrow it is on the new york times website but uh it's you know there's no doubt in my mind that it sounds a lot like they were planning an insurrection there's just this it's the same thing as the genocide it's clear they were planning an insurrection and this was intended to be some sort of coup i mean there's no. You can't escape these kinds of obvious, you know, and I don't know where people expect the declaration to come from. I mean, this is really just the reality. There was an attempt by the GOP and Trump's inside circle to manufacture an insurrection so they could maintain power beyond the elections and overturn the elections. It just uh, the, it's very hard to see it any other way. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts there. No, nope, you,
2: you kind of nailed it. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> it just is what it is. It's sort of, you get to the point where that's all we have. I'm trying to find it for you here, but it's, you know, it's going to take me too long to figure out where to take, ah, no, I think I found it. Here we go. Um, we'll just listen to a minute. I promise it won't be much longer than that, but it's certainly instructional for everyone because it gives you a good sense of, of what was said.
1: He's
2: going to do something and it's going to be where people are actually going to be arrested. And I know you've been hearing that for <laughs> a long time, but it will no can, can I ask you a quick, quick question? In- yes, sir. Uh, because I have to cut myself off pretty soon. Is he going to declare an insurrection or martial law? Uh, there, there, Very well, may be some limited form of martial law. Uh, I don't know that okay. it's like the insurrection Act Okay, because it is, uh, it's been deemed unconstitutional. Uh, there's a lot of argument about that, but who knows? President Trump does what President Trump wants to do. Okay, so people can advise him all they want, so their face turns blue. At the end of the day, he's, gonna, he's, he's his own man. He's going to call his own shots. So he very well
0: so he's his own man he'll call his own shots that's uh and he i mean it's as clear as anything that's what they were planning Just
2: to might, there might be a light hint a soupçon of military law of martial law there might yeah. be a little bit of fascism a, 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 hint <laughs> a hint type, of totalitarianism a, a, a little, a little, touch little of bit of <laughs> a touch of coup d'etat as the yeah. french say
0: yeah Oh my gosh! It's, it's, it's shocking that they get away with this. It really is. The is it, rest is of the this tape- what
2: getting away with it looks like? Yeah. I don't know, man. If we're, if you're on generally, if you're on narrative live, it's not going well for you. I mean, right. not being the guest. I mean, if,
0: if we're talking absolutely. about you like that,
2: Michael, you're good. We're good. I think. I mean, but if you're the subject of our stories, yeah. um, you should lawyer up. Generally.
0: I hope he's lawyered up, or he might have even turned to evidence. I mean, it seems at this point that he's so implicated. This is someone so close to Roger Stone, and it's interesting we'll discover this tomorrow, but his whole thing, his whole shtick in this whole, he brags about in this entire tape, is about how he's so good at getting the social media attention to a viral event, you know, and he's going to make this thing go viral. It's going to make the insurrection go viral. I mean, of course it's going to be viral. <laughs> I mean, duh. You're throwing an insurrection to get man, attention. It's so on social big. Media. It's big,
2: man. Uh, it's so big that, you know, the DOJ's investigating it, Congress <laughs> investigating. Like, it went woo.
0: Yeah. I mean, they didn't want attention, which they seem to, after the fact, not want very much attention to the <laughs> tourist event, as they called it. Then they shouldn't have, uh, they shouldn't have done it, obviously. But they, the fact that they had the social media campaign so they could make it look even bigger is ridiculous.
2: God, and, they, they had like a Supreme Court justice or two.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then there's, there's also the fact that we will show this tomorrow September is when Trump started using the term insurrection act. September 12th, I think. So before the elections, he was starting to use the term. No, it wasn't before this election It was before the 2016
2: elections. Roger Stone was on Alex Jones's show. And he said, look, if the election is stolen and we can't stop the steal, then the streets of America are going to be a bloodbath. If you steal this election from Trump, that was live late October, I think of 2017 or sorry, 2016. And then oops, he won and Hillary didn't. So they couldn't, oh God, we got yeah, to, we got to bloodbath this thing late. Oh my God. We have to actually get people in the cabinet. What's Ben Carson doing? Oh God. You know, we have to govern, oh no, we get, we got to get people's son-in-laws. We got to get. uh You know, we got to drag Kellyanne Conway out of the sewer pipe and, you know, just. Jared, you want to be the
0: deputy president, Jared Kushner? We'll pay you uh, $2 billion if you take the gig, (laughs) something like that. All right. That's the show tonight. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, Michael McKay, for being here.
1: Tell everyone how they can find you again. Uh, At M-H-M-C-K on Twitter.
0: Okay. And Eric Garland at Game Theory Today, which is available where you get your podcasts, but also they can find you online at Eric Garland. Anything else you want to share with uh, everyone before we say goodnight? No, it's classified. (laughs) Everything you do is classified. Thanks very much, everyone. And thank you for being part of Narrative tonight. Please go to patreon.com forward slash narrative to support us. There's no other way we make these programs without your help. So please do that. And thanks as well to our sponsor, Athletic Greens, where you can go and get uh, generous freebies, as they say, if you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. Have a good night, everybody narrative is made possible by viewers like you join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative that's patreon.com forward slash narrative